Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello, welcome to The Inner Life here on this Monday, Monday of the fourth week of Easter. I hope you had a nice weekend and glad you're back with us here on Relevant Radio. Um, after last week, our pledge drive, I want to say thank you to so many of you, almost 16,000 people who donated last week during our pledge drive. And our goal was $3 million. We exceeded that by a little bit, about $3.17 million that came in last week. And so that helps continue Relevant Radio on the air. It helps continue uh, you know, growth and the ability to do what we're doing here every day. And so uh, I can't say it enough. Thank you for your support and for being a part of what is happening here at Relevant Radio. Um, when you make that donation, I, I mentioned this numerous times last week, but it really does make you a partner in the evangelization that's happening here at Relevant Radio. So again, thank you so much. I'm Josh Raymond, and uh, glad to have you here for this hour of spiritual direction that we uh, that we set aside daily here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And here we are. We're pushing forward into the month of May. Are you looking forward to the summer months ahead, being outside, spending some time maybe at a beach or on the water somewhere? Those summer months. When I grew up, um, where we lived, we weren't close to the ocean. And so if we went any place water-related, not counting, of course, swimming pools in our neighborhood, but my friends and I, we mainly went swimming in rivers and lakes that were in our, our area. And in high school, I lived in a city that's right on the Snake River. And the Snake, it makes a good uh, portion, makes up a good portion of that border between Oregon and Idaho. And it flows north and continues the border of Idaho against Washington. And a little bit up the that border, then it turns west and heads out in southern Washington, eventually flowing into the Columbia River. And there in Washington, along the Snake River, about 25 miles west of that border of Idaho, there's a spot that's popular for high school and college kids to go and jump into the river. It's a place called Granite Rock. And that name, it tells you exactly what it is. It's just this large granite formation that sits between the highway and the river. And the side of Granite Rock that faces the highway it regularly has kids that are out there rock climbing. A lot of college students from Washington State University, they'll go there and do that. The side that faces the river, it has a cliff that's maybe about 40 feet above the water. And this is where my friends and I would go. We would drive out several, you know, many days throughout the summer months. We'd spend a few hours out there just jumping off that cliff into the river. And 
you know, you'd, you'd have your swim trunks on, uh, you know, girls would be in a bathing suit, but you'd also wear an old pair of tennis shoes, something that you didn't care if they got wet, but, you know, they'd protect your feet because every time you jumped in, well, then you had to climb back up this granite structure and get back up to the cliff. Now, the first time I went out there to Granite Rock, I was 16, just had my driver's license. It was summer. And my friend Dan and I, we'd heard about it. We decided to drive and check it out. And when we pulled over to the, the small parking area and started to walk over to Granite Rock from where we were standing there down by the river, looking up at that cliff, it didn't seem very high at all. It was this uh, little jump. Yeah, I mean, you know, you fall a little bit, but didn't look bad at all. Other teens were already out there jumping off into the river. But as we walked up to the top, we got up there, walked over to the edge of that cliff. All of a sudden, it seemed so much higher up now. And so then we would take a few steps back, and then we'd talk for a minute, walk back out, look over the edge there, walk back from the edge. And we did this again and again, and we were trying to get up the nerve, trying to muster whatever courage we had that, you know, we wanted to jump off the edge into the river waiting below. Dan and I, I think I, we took so long trying to just find that bravery that we needed to make that first jump. I think we sat out there just on top of Granite Rock for at least an hour and a half without ever jumping. Every once in a while, we'd walk back over to the ledge, look down into those murky waters, and we'd watch other teams as they'd be jumping off while we were deliberating, okay, uh, can we do this? Are we going to do this? And I will make one small side note. I did find it kind of remarkable that none of the other kids that were out there teased us or gave us a bad time about us taking so much time, about being so slow to make that first jump. And I think that's probably because most of the people who went out there, they went through the same sort of process of trying to build up that courage to make that jump. But finally, after having grown tired with ourselves for not swimming in the river, it's hot, we're out there baking in the sun, plus we were both starting to get a little bit more ashamed of our cowardice, we both agreed, all right, it's time to run and jump in, both of us at the same time, no more stalling. And that's what we did. We counted to three, ran, jumped off the cliff, and once we did it that first time, and we climbed back up the second time, we didn't wait a second Ready? Let's go. And we were off the edge. And again and again and again that afternoon. And that cliff that had seemed so daunting that we were looking at, looking over, thinking, this is a scary jump. Now all of a sudden it was no longer anything to fear or worry about. It was just simply the edge of this cliff where it was the means for us freely flying through the air for a few seconds before falling into the cool waters of the Snake River. You know, so many times in our life we can let fears and worries and anxieties paralyze us. We start thinking about all the what-ifs that might happen and we risk out m missing, we risk missing out on the good things that are waiting for us if we would simply just let go of our worry, let go of our anxiety. So today on The Inner Life, we want to look at how we can deal with anxiety when we do face it in our lives. And of course, we want to discuss how our faith can help us in those times where we are worried, where we face anxiety.
Our spiritual director today on The Inner Life, I'm glad to welcome back once again Father Rob Kroll here. And Father Rob is a Jesuit priest. He's the director of spiritual formation at St. Francis de Sales Seminary in Milwaukee. Father Rob, welcome back to The Inner Life. And uh, it's still Easter, so I'm going to say Happy Easter to you, Father. Yes, and same to you and to all of our listeners. It's good to be with you today. It's great that the Church and her wisdom gives us such a long Easter season because uh, we need to uh, have sufficient time to meditate on and to try to live more deeply into this fundamental reality of the resurrection. So, happy Easter to you as well. Thanks, Father. So, anxiety, worry, stress. Uh, As we look at this today, um, we're going to look at Scripture here in a moment, but maybe we can just talk about what anxiety is at just kind of a base level, a base understanding. Can you help us understand what it is, and maybe what it isn't, what might get associated with anxiety, but maybe that really doesn't fall into that category? Sure. Well, I think it's important to distinguish, first of all, between kind of what I might call run-of-the-mill anxiety, which we all experience at various times in our life, from um, an actual mental disorder that might be diagnosed and have to be treated with psychotherapy and maybe medication and so forth. So, you know, let's just begin with with um, kind of what we would just call ordinary anxiety, which, which, again, all of us deal with, I think, at various times in our life. And typically, when we talk about anxiety, we're talking about some kind of worry about a future threat. Um, you know, it could be that we're worried about some presentation we have to give or some exam we have to take. Um, but it has to do with something in the future that hasn't happened yet but is causing us to feel nervous and anxious. And, you know, I think all of us have experienced that, you know, at various times. And and, um, and it's interesting, you know, uh, Josh, that we're talking about this today because just over the weekend I saw in the most or in, in a recent uh, uh, Wall Street Journal there was a, it's called the Saturday Essay, so I guess it was on Saturday. Um, there was a reflection uh, by somebody who is um, a clinical psychologist and a neuroscience researcher. Uh, the title of the essay was In Praise of Anxiety. And the basic gist of this article is that uh, the author was saying that we tend to think about all anxiety, even the less severe forms that we all experience, we tend to label it as something just purely negative and something that we have to try to get rid of, you know, as quickly as we can. And the author's point was that actually anxiety uh, can be helpful to us. It's sort of an indication of something that is important that's going on in our lives. And while we don't want it to become debilitating, if we manage it right or if we use it properly, it can actually help us to kind of um, move into a situation with more alertness and to engage it better. So um, obviously we don't want to be overwhelmed by anxiety, but the author's point is that while it may not feel very good, anxiety, to the extent that we welcome it and don't just try to shove it away, but we try to analyze it and understand it and then use it or channel it, you know, for good purposes, it actually can be um, a, a good thing that can that can just kind of help us to perform better. So I thought that was an interesting take on yeah. the thing. Oh, well, yeah. and as you're talking about that too, Father, if I can just ask, 
is there a danger of maybe going too far in that realm? Because I, I know I, I can think back to times in college where I would feel <laughs> that I would be more focused if I put off that paper. You know, then all of a sudden when it's the night before or the morning of that class and I'm just pounding out the seven or eight page paper that I had to write on whatever, you know, topic. And I might have already pulled all the materials that I need. I had all the citations and everything. But then I'm just flying through without giving myself that lead up time. And I, I would be kind of thriving on the adrenaline. And sometimes right. I think we can become adrenaline junkies and think, right. oh, this is the best way for me to function. <laughs> sure. How do we find that balance of where there's, you know, you mentioned managing that, that anxiety right. How do we find the balance of managing it correctly, not becoming an adrenaline junkie, while at the same time not letting it make us, you know, bring us into that debilitated state? Sure, sure. Yeah, I think you're you're hitting on something really important there. and And so... You know, obviously, we do want to plan well. I mean, I mentioned that anxiety kind of by definition has to do with something in the future. It could be imminent or it could be something more long-term down the road. But in any case, you know, one of the ways of dealing with anxiety in a healthy way is to, you know, analyze it and understand what's happening, but then to, to make an appropriate plan. Um, and we don't want to put everything off to the last minute just so that we have that adrenaline rush but um, I wanted to go back to and just make sure that we distinguish kind of this this anxiety that we all experience from a more debilitating sure, uh, sure. anxiety, you know, and, and that's important, too, because there are, I mean, there's actually tens of millions of Americans that suffer from, um, you know, actually diagnosed anxiety, some, some form of anxiety disorder. What, what I think makes, what makes it different you know, in that case is, is the, first of all, the duration. I mean, it's one thing to have anxiety for, you know, a short time because of something that's coming up. But if it's something that's persistent and and doesn't even seem to be that tied to just one specific event on the horizon, um, but lasts, you know, kind of more often than not. And then also the intensity, too. I mean, again, normally when we experience some anxiety over something, it, it might actually spur us on and help us to you know, perform better, whereas the anxiety as a mental um, disorder is actually very debilitating and it begins to interfere uh, with daily activity, our ability to, you know, function well you know, professionally and personally. And then it, there is a, uh, I mean, those who are mental health professionals use um, a resource. It's, it's called the uh, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. So it's sort of the Bible of uh you know, those mental health professionals that diagnose these things. And, and they have very specific, you know, symptoms that are listed. And so that that's a way of kind of diagnosing something officially. Um, and, yeah, so I think, you know, we can talk this hour, too, about how to obviously deal with the anxiety that we face in a way that's going to be, uh, you know, healthy and, and, and uh, you know, not, not ignore it on the one hand, but also not just sort of, you know, be paralyzed by it, and and uh, and and also not just deny it and say, oh, I, I'm not, you know, I mean, this isn't real, or or I shouldn't feel this way. That's sometimes what we do is we label negative feelings as if uh, it's inappropriate to feel them. So um, yeah, eventually, and and then, and then well, of course, we're going to talk today too about how our faith can help us and and the whole uh, spiritual. I think I think one of the fundamental principles I just want to throw out at the beginning of the program is that. 
you know, as St. Thomas Aquinas said, grace builds on nature. So we're always talking mm-hmm. about how uh, spiritual and psychological realities, you know, kind of interact and, and help one another um, rather than just saying it's got to be all prayer and faith or it's just got to be, uh, you know, uh, psychology. Right, right. Yeah. Then you kind of make this false dichotomy of having to choose one or the other rather than allowing both to help you. Exactly. Exactly. Good. Well, so I I guess one thing before, um, and I'd like to look at what Jesus says in his Sermon on the Mount about worrying, but let's talk for a moment here also about knowing ourselves and how we respond in those moments of stress, worry, anxiety. A lot of times when people are faced with something that, especially when they can't plan ahead for it, when it hits Mm. them out of the blue, there can be that fight or flight response that is elicited. And uh, the reason I bring that up is it, how important is it for us to know how we respond in those moments where something does kind of catch us off guard, we find ourselves stressed, and then knowing how we respond, can that help us then, even when we're not planning for it, mm-hmm. to to be able to address the stress in the moment in a more productive fashion? Sure. I think that, you know, as we get older and we have more life experience, one of the values of that is we begin to detect certain patterns in the way that we respond to situations. And so... You know, I think being aware that, okay, you know, when I'm, when I'm throwing a curveball and something happens unexpectedly um, that can cause me uh, anxiety, um, yeah, just knowing from past experience what that feels like. So kind of paying attention to some of the, you know, even the physical signs of what's going on as well as the, the thought patterns, the, the, the mental responses, and then, and then having some strategies in place, you know, and that's, we can talk about that today. I think that's important to be able to, you know, short of actually going to a, a therapist and, and getting some good uh, psychological counseling. There there are things we can do just in our everyday life to deal, especially with the more garden variety anxiety that we deal with. And um, so happy to kind of explore some of those. But I, I think you're right, Josh, that just, you know, kind of reflecting on our past experience and how we've, how well or how poorly we've handled um, anxiety and stress in the past um, is really important, and uh, you know, even I just I just met, I just said anxiety and stress, and I know one of the things that we might want to just briefly touch on is is there a difference between those two uh, realities, anxiety and stress? We often use them interchangeably. Right. Um, I, I would say, you know, at least from what I have learned, you know, uh, stress typically refers to sort of an external trigger, and it, and it could be short term, it could be long term, but there's something. <coughs> excuse me, something happening, you know, externally that I then feel as a stressful situation. Um, Anxiety tends to be um, more, you know, a sense of of worry or dread. Um, And even without a specific stressor being present, we can can still feel that. It can be sort of this vague, um, persistent uh, sense of uh, yeah, something something is is fearful here, or something is causing me anxiety. So, I mean, they're they're certainly related, and maybe in everyday right. speech we tend to use them interchangeably. But there's a little bit of a of a little bit of a difference, I think, when we start unpacking them. 
Um, so it, just to kind of follow up on that anxiety, you would look at more the internalization of what the stress might bring or things that we are looking at ahead in the future, whatever that might be. Yeah. Just the internalization where the stress could be something that is outside of us, but it, it requires us to react in some fashion. Yeah, I think that's a good distinction. I mean, we could talk about uh, like an actual stressor, you know, uh, there's a stressor, there's something external to me that is causing me to feel stress. Um, and, and stress might just be kind of, again, like a certain pressure, a certain uh, feeling like, oh, you know, in the pit of my stomach, there, there's something un, uneasy going on. Anxiety, I think, is, you know, often a more, uh, well, it can be very, it can be very, um, related to something very specific and it can be short term but i think also you know a lot of people that deal with anxiety feel it as sort of a a persistent excessive worry um and and uh again it could be triggered by something specific but sometimes it's more just a uh, a vague and, and general pervasive feeling so yeah. Talking with Father Rob Kroll today here on The Inner Life. He's a Jesuit priest, and he's the director of spiritual formation at St. Francis de Sales Seminary in Milwaukee. Also has a degree in clinical psychology. And talking today about anxiety. Uh, what has helped you to be able to move past the worries or the stress that you encounter in your life? And how is your prayer life or frequenting the the sacraments of confession, reception of the Eucharist, how has that helped you? How has it allowed you to let go of some of those different anxieties that you've faced? Or maybe you're dealing with some difficult anxiety right now and you'd like some advice. You can call in and join the program here at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, our email address, innerlife at relevantradio.com. And uh, we're going to talk about what Jesus says regarding worry coming up next here on The Inner Life. You're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive over a million prayer requests every year, thanks in part to the Catholic Order of Foresters Studio Line, helping us stay connected to your intentions. Learn how our sponsor can support your family with life insurance at relevantradio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life Today. Thanks so much for joining us here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and our spiritual director for the hour, Father Rob Kroll, a Jesuit priest and the director of spiritual formation at St. Francis de Sales Seminary, talking about the anxieties, the worries that we deal with in our lives, and what has helped you in the past to deal with those anxieties, those worries. Uh, how has your faith been a lifeline for you? And been able to let you uh, not not have to control everything, be able to trust in God and His providence, His care, or maybe you're in the midst of dealing with some sort of worry, some sort of anxiety right now. You haven't been able to shake it, and you'd like to talk with Father Rob. You can call into the program at eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Father Rob. Let's talk about what Jesus says in regards to worry, in regards to anxiety. And one of the most popular passages is from the Sermon on the Mount. This is in the sixth chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel. 
And Jesus here, as he's talking about worry, he says things like, can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? And then he says, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. So as he's talking about this, and there's more we can get into into this this passage here, but ultimately Jesus wants us to be fully engaged in this present moment, right here, right now. Um, at the same time, I think it's important for us to say, you know, this this doesn't mean that Jesus is saying don't plan ahead for the coming days or the coming weeks or months. You know, things that you do need to uh, make sure are done. It doesn't mean just only be so present right now that you have no no sense of what's coming in the future. Can you talk maybe for a moment about the difference between planning for those things that we know we need in the future while not straying into the realm of worrying about those upcoming things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a bit of a paradox, I think. And again, reflecting on our own experience, I mean, we know that um, it's important for us to plan for the future and whether, you know, it's retirement or whether it's just that meeting that we have tomorrow or whatever it might be. So there's there's a need for planning. I think the question becomes, you know, as we plan, how do we avoid uh, catastrophizing or excessive worry about the results and so forth? And that's where um, I think entrusting and surrendering things to the Lord frequently is really helpful to realize that come what may, even if we do have a failure, even if things don't go according to our plan, um, that God is never going to abandon us. And so there can be a deep trust that the Lord will provide and take care of us, you know, without necessarily um, having to be Pollyannish and think, well, everything's going to go perfectly. So I think there's a there's a there's something of a tension there. I mean, the reality is yesterday is gone. You know, it's now here in Milwaukee, 1130. I mean, the morning is almost over. I can't recapture it. I can't go back and relive it. Um, the Lord might call me home today. I don't know. And so uh, tomorrow isn't here yet, and, and I can spend all afternoon, you know, fretting and worrying about it. Um, but that's not really productive, and it shows a lack of, I think, trust, again, in God's goodness and providence. So it can be what can be helpful about the past is to realize, oh, yeah, many times in the past when I felt worried and afraid, um, the Lord was there. The Lord provided. Um, it didn't end in disaster. I'm still here. He's still with me. So we can draw lessons from the past that are going to help us in the present moment to live it more peacefully and more trustingly. And then we can just keep surrendering, you know, the rest of our day and tomorrow and next week. Just keep surrendering it to the Lord with great confidence and trust. So, so anyway, it's it's a you know it's not easy, but um, but I think the Lord um, certainly gives us the help that we need. And you mentioned before the break things like, you know, the sacraments and prayer. And I certainly think you know all the spiritual resources, uh, the treasures of our faith are so helpful to us when we want to live without excessive anxiety and fear because, my goodness, I mean, to think about what's really happening each time we receive the Eucharist, each time we're, our sins are destroyed in the confessional, I mean, these, these are awesome realities. And and um, and this life, you know, a lot of the Psalms and other parts of Scripture, it, uh, it reminds us that this life is pretty short. You know, our pilgrimage on earth is pretty short. It is filled with a lot of hardship, but we're on our way to a glorious, beautiful, 
and loving um, heavenly destiny. So that's maybe another another thing we might keep in mind as we're dealing with present anxiety is um, not you know not to be worried about the future, but to say my future. As the expression goes, my future is very bright because I'm going to be living in this glorious eternal light of the Trinity with all the saints. Like if we can keep keep our focus on what's real and what awaits us, um, that can help calm us in the present. That also ties in with what Jesus says there in this passage in Matthew 6 where he says, don't worry about the things that you need. He says, don't worry and say, what are we to eat or what are we to drink or what are we to wear? He says, all these things the pagans seek, your heavenly Father knows that you need them all, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you besides. the. I, I like the idea of looking back at those moments where God has provided for us and saying, okay, he's taken care of those things so far. I think we're very, very quick to forget, though, Father. Um, <laughs> you know, we get in the moment and we say, well, yeah, God took care of that, but this is different. <laughs> this is right now, and things don't look good. Any advice you might give on how when we've got that short-term memory, mm-hmm. when we're faced with something that is kind of a new circumstance, mm-hmm. how we can kind of bolster that trust, how we can grow in trust of our Lord and and not give in to those, those doubts, those worries? Sure, sure. No, there's a number of things I think that can be helpful for us. I mean, first of all, I think it's important for us just to recognize the fact that we are anxious and not to be too critical on ourselves or berate ourselves because of those feelings, you know, that actually anxiety is a common, ordinary, normal human experience. And in some situations, it's the right response. And so I think by kind of normalizing it rather than labeling it as, again, uh, you know, not uh, something as a Christian or as a Catholic, I should never feel this way. If I really trusted God, I'd never feel anxiety. Well, no. I mean, think about Jesus in the garden sweating blood. Um Anxiety is part of human life, and so I think just recognizing it and then um, trying to understand what's going on, you know, like actually bringing some clear reasoning into it, because by nature, anxiety tends to be something that leads us to catastrophize and becomes kind of irrational. We take something that may be real, some kind of a fear or concern, and we blow it way out of proportion. So I think trying to really sit down and calmly um, think about it clearly, but, but also to to reach out to the Lord, first of all, to reach out in prayer and just tell the Lord what's on my heart, what I'm experiencing, and invite the Holy Spirit to bring uh, his calm, his peace, his confidence. I think that's huge. But I also think not isolating ourselves, at least in my own life, I think about past experiences of of anxiety. I I tend to want to just kind of hunker down and stay alone and try to deal with it on my own. And I think a huge help is talking about the anxiety I'm feeling with somebody else, with some trusted friend, um, along with the Lord, of course, too, and, and our Blessed Mother and the saints. But but reach out to another human being that, that I can just articulate this to, and then and then listen to them kind of bring some, some healthy perspective to it and reassure us that they're, they're right there with us, too. They can pray with us. They can pray for us. Um, we can go back to them if, if we are still struggling. So that's huge. Um, you know, I think another technique is just to kind of, dis- in a healthy way now, I don't mean to, to, like, deny that we're feeling anxiety, but to try to 
distract ourselves in a good way. Um, just like getting up from wherever we are, if we're, if we're sitting at our our desk, you know, experiencing kind of anxiety or um, we're in our bedroom and, you know, we can't sleep at night and we're just tossing and turning, we'll, we'll get up and, uh, you know, go somewhere else, do something else. Um, you know, maybe step out of your office and go outside for a few minutes, uh, enjoy a beautiful spring day. So just kind of distracting ourselves. Um, one technique I heard once, uh, it was called the 333 rule. So first of all, like if I'm in my office where I am right now on this program and I, I'm feeling a lot of anxiety, I, I might name three objects in my office, you know, the plant, the lamp, and the bookshelf. And then I might uh, name three sounds that I hear, um, you know, the bird outside or um, the, somebody talking down the hall. And then I might move three body parts, you know, just kind of stretch my arms out, you know, maybe uh, rotate my ankles, you know, and and uh, just my, my point being like, just let ourselves uh, kind of bring ourselves back to the present moment by focusing on something right here and now and getting out of my head and out of this, uh, you know, mushrooming um, uh, mindset about the future. I, I think when we also sure. look at our anxieties, we realize, you know, usually the thing we're worried about, it may be a real worry, but it's not huge. Uh, we can manage it. it it's you know, like putting it in its right proportion, I think, is a, is a big part of it as well. So those are just some things, yeah. you know, that we might try. Well, so one of the, the phrases you use there is giving ourselves a healthy perspective. And you mentioned that in regards to speaking with others, you know, getting a friend or a family member or somebody who can give us that healthy perspective. If we're kind of, you know, we can't see the forest for the trees. We're so in caught up in this. But I was also thinking, as you were saying that so much of anxiety, at least in, in my own experience, any of the anxiety that I have had it all deals with pessimistic outlook yeah. and kind of in the same way that you're talking about, you know, just being able to in that three, three, three rule, get ourselves kind of pulled out of that, that mire for just a moment. Do you think it, it would be beneficial to, if we don't have somebody in the moment we can talk to even just say, okay, my worry is pessimism. So let me look at what could the possible, good outcomes be the 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 optimistic possibilities that are ahead of me here to give some of that healthy perspective that balance totally josh i think that's a really really good suggestion to kind of imagine um the positive outcomes and and the good that can result as you say that i think about you know as a kid i played a lot of tennis and and it's still kind of my main sport and i can remember many many years ago a book by a guy named tim calloway called uh inner tennis. And one of the things he talked about is like, if you want to improve your serve, you should actually close your eyes and spend some time imagining yourself hitting the perfect serve, like see your, your body, you know, um, throwing the ball in the, just the right spot and the racket going back behind your back and then reaching up to the right height. And, and his point was that by imagining this in our brain, that somehow that helps to translate it into uh, a bodily action when we actually serve. Now, obviously, it's not enough just to imagine it. You have to, you know, uh, take some lessons, have somebody critique your serve. But, but he, he, he suggested that, you know, this type of imaginative exercise before we stepped up to the line to serve could actually help us to serve better. And I think there's something analogous to what you're saying. So if I I'm, if I'm, tend to be a pessimistic, um, glass-half-empty kind of person, you know, 
to to imagine okay what when i actually um you know uh, get into the situation that i'm afraid of and i'm performing you know what what are how would i want to see it uh result or end up you know what and and what might i hear after the fact what what might be some fruit that I can cull, how might it be helpful to others? Um, and so, you know, in a way, I guess it's sort of a little bit of a, of a self-pep talk, but it, but again, bringing the Lord into this too and, and saying, Lord, you know, I, I would like your help in being able to do this particular thing, engage in this particular activity, but for your glory and praise, not just for my own um, well-being, but I, I want to give you glory and praise here too. And so if we can kind of see it as a service that we're rendering to God and somehow helping to build up the kingdom, that can actually kind of lend some excitement to it, and we can maybe look forward to it more than just fearing it. Um, right, dread it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. right. Uh, right. Father Rob Kroll is our spiritual director here on The Inner Life today, and we're taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149. As we're talking how, about how we can deal with the anxieties, the worries that we face in our lives, and how our faith can play that role in giving us comfort, giving us peace, uh, how God can minister to us, especially through the sacraments, uh, going to confession, reception of the Eucharist. Uh, what has helped you to be able to move past those fears, those anxieties, those worries? Or maybe you're in the midst of that right now and you'd like to talk with Father Rob. Again, the phone number, 888 And Father Stephanie is joining us. She's calling in from California. Stephanie, thanks for being on the program today. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Hi, Stephanie. I, Go right um, ahead. I worry a lot, and I've been like that for a long time. And um, I always felt bad about worrying because I felt like I wasn't trusting God. Like, and I would say, Jesus, I trust in you, but I would, when I worried, I, I felt like I wasn't really living that out. And recently, I was introduced to the Novena of Surrender. Oh, yeah. And that completely changed my life because every day there's like a little part that you read and it just reminds you that Jesus just wants us to to lay all those worries to his feet, just to let him work. And um, I think it was like day three, there was like an analogy about um, when people are sick and they go to the doctor. And when we worry, it's kind of like, um, not asking the doctor to cure us, but telling the doctor how to do it, right? When we need the doctor to do his job and the doctor knows best, right? And so that really stuck to me um, and, and, and made me realize that Jesus has his plan. And when I worry, I'm just, I'm I'm being childish because I'm not letting him you know, I'm not I'm not uh, trusting that he knows best. And so every time I worry now, I just remember, Jesus, I trust in you and take, you take, ever, take care of everything. And so that's been my my strategy recently. Stephanie, it's really providential, I think, that you called in and shared that. So thank you for doing that. And, and uh, that's something that I, I have often kept in my breviary as well. It's a uh, as you say, if, you, if people were to Google it, you can find it easily on the Internet. Just uh, Google Surrender Novena. And uh, I don't know much about this father. Um, it's Dolindo Ruotolo. I don't know much about him personally, but I know that it's attributed to him. 
And uh, that can be a great resource. And even though it's a novena, uh, it's not something that we just have to confine to those nine days. It's something that we can continue to, to pray throughout our lives. And um, so I encourage our listeners to uh, access that and maybe download a PDF of it and just uh, pray it. I think that that's great. And and that's one prayer, you know, there's many that we could point to. I mean, there's there's the scripture itself. We've, we've been looking at the uh, passage that, you know, comes from the Sermon on the Mount. I think about a, a wonderful prayer for peace that um, the patron of, of the seminary where I work wrote, uh, Francis de Sales. And um, and so, you know, maybe to, you know, again, to Google sort of prayers for peace, uh, Catholic prayers for peace, you might find one or another that speaks to you uh, more clearly and more directly. But uh, certainly other, you know, other people's words, other, the, the prayers of the saints um, can be really helpful to us, because especially when we are feeling anxious, we are, I mean, by definition, kind of our thought process gets tangled up and we can't always think very clearly. So reaching out for someone else's words uh, can really bring um, bring calm to us. So thanks for sharing that, Stephanie. Yeah, glad to have you as part of the program today, Stephanie. And if you're listening and would like to call in, the phone number is 888-914-9149. As we're talking with Father Rob Kroll today about anxiety and worry and stress, how we can face those, how we can move forward, how we don't let them paralyze us, and what has helped you to deal with that anxiety or that worry that you've faced in the past. How has your faith been a guide for you? How have you been able to grow in your trust of God's care? How have you been able to find peace in those moments of worry and anxiety? Or maybe you're not finding that peace. Maybe you're not finding <laughs> that help that you're hoping for and you'd like some advice, some encouragement. You can call in and talk with Father Rob, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. We'll continue our conversation in just a moment here. You're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour sponsored by Ave Maria Mutual Funds, where financial goals are aligned with pro-life values and fund decisions are based on investment fundamentals designed to preserve and grow wealth without violating moral beliefs. More information at AveMariaFunds.com. What has helped you in dealing with the different worries and anxieties that you've faced in your life? How has your faith helped you to be able to face those moments, not let the fear paralyze you? How has God, how have you trusted in God in those moments? And how has that trust grown because you've seen God working in those moments? Uh, we'd love to hear your story. Maybe you have a question that you'd like to ask Father Rob Kroll, our spiritual director here on The Inner Life today, as we're talking with him about dealing with anxiety, dealing with worry in our life. And maybe you're in that moment right now, and you'd like some advice. 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Father, before we go back to the phones, maybe a couple things that would be good to discuss here. First of all, if I'm dealing with anxiety and worry in my life, how do I know? Is there any sort of indication as to when I'm okay to still deal with it on my own and face it on my own, try and work through it alone or with just maybe, you know, the help of a spouse or a family member versus 
when I really do need to seek professional help, go see a counselor? Yeah, and I think I, I'm glad we're coming back to this topic, uh, Josh, because uh, you know one of the kind of risks in, in talking about anxiety or depression or any other kind of difficult emotion is that we tend to think it's illegitimate, first of all, to feel it, and then we also might be suggesting that everybody, if they just pray enough and you know, um, read the right book or something that that they should be able to handle it on their own. And and you know, there are there are really important uh, signs when it's time to say, okay, I need to go get at least get diagnosed. You know, get, have somebody who can help me understand what's happening and put a name to this, and then also um, offer me some support through uh, counseling and, if necessary, some medication. And you know, fortunately, uh, praise God that we have. Um, developed some really good medications and people find them very helpful. So, you know, I think, I, I think again, I'd go back to sort of the general rule of um, the persistency of these symptoms. You know, it's one thing to to have um, kind of a short-term anxious moment, you know, which isn't that debilitating. But if it's something that lasts a long time, you know, like especially several weeks, and if it's something that really does interfere with my normal daily functioning, um, then, then it's really time to go see somebody uh, professionally, I think, and, and to get some, um, you know, professional perspective on the situation. So um, I think today we live in a society where, you know, counseling and medication both are, are kind of more accepted. Now, we can go to the other extreme and, you know, there are people who might, um, you know, overdo uh, medications or who might be in therapy, you know, much longer than they need to, but I but I think the good news is it's not so much stigmatized anymore, and so um, very often people who, for example, are experiencing a, let's say a panic a panic attack situation or some kind of really more severe anxiety, you know, they find within eight or ten sessions, um, you know, that they're really helped. Uh, it just helps them to get all of this out into the light. They receive some really good coaching on techniques. Some of the things that we've talked about even in this hour that can be helpful um, in dealing with, with anxiety. So, you know, I think, again, kind of uh, keeping it, keeping things in, the, in their proper perspective and not making it, a, uh, making a mountain out of a, a molehill. But, but um, uh, there's also, I wanted to mention, um, we talked at the break about maybe mentioning some Catholic resources, and I just wanted to right. mention some authors that I thought uh, might be helpful to our listeners. Um, there's a, there's a, man that I actually studied with when I was doing my own uh, psychology degree, and his name is Dr. Greg Botero, uh, B-O-T-T-A-R-O. And he's got a recent book out called The Mindful Catholic. And um, he offers some insight into both anxiety and depression and then some ways that we can uh, very concretely and practically deal with those difficult emotions. Um, And then um, Dr. Gregory I think it's Popcheck, uh, P-O-P-C-A-K. Popcheck, yes. Or Popcheck, yeah. He's a popular, I know I've seen him over the years, he's, he's a popular um, author, and he's got a relatively recent book out called Unworried, A Life Without Anxiety. So I thought I'd mention those two resources because they're pretty recent and by, um, you know, uh, authors that are that I think are quite reputable. Uh, we haven't really talked in the program about depression, um, but that's obviously a related um, reality for people too. Absolutely. And, yeah. and I think you know there's you know there's some really good things. There's a book called The Catholic Guide to Depression 
by a man named Aaron Cariati, I think is how you pronounce it, but um, and then Sister Catherine Hermes, H-E-R-M-E-S, has a book called Surviving Depression. So if a person listening is dealing more with, with a depressive mood, um, then uh, those those resources might be helpful as well. But again, we all experience at times uh, periods of kind of sadness or where we feel kind of blue. But if you're somebody that uh, has kind of a depressed mood uh, frequently and it lasts a long time and, and it again begins to make living daily life kind of difficult, then, then it's time to to go see somebody uh, professionally, I think. so. Uh, Father, we're down to just the last couple of minutes here, but mm-hmm. we've got a number of different people calling in. If I could kind of synthesize all of the different calls into what they're asking, it really comes down to, I've got this situation I'm facing. Things don't seem to change. They don't seem to be working out. I'm praying, mm-hmm. but I still have the stress and the anxiety. Uh, how do I deal with that? How do I press forward when nothing seems to be working out? Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, it may be that in God's providence, you know, this difficult emotion and experience is allowed for a time, um, maybe precisely to increase our prayer and to deepen our, our trust. Um, so there's no easy fix for that. But I would say, you know, like going back to what we were just saying, if there's if prayer alone isn't sufficient or doesn't seem to be helping, um, by all means, keep praying. But also um, maybe you need to think about uh, going further and doing things like we've suggested, talking this out with, you know, maybe beginning with a trusted friend, um, but also, if necessary, seeking some professional help. Um, and uh, and then perhaps it is a situation where some medication might be warranted just to help kind of stabilize the situation. Um, but, yeah, that's one of the harder things that we face, I think, in life, when, when we feel like our prayer alone, our spiritual practices aren't, you know, resolving the situation. And, and again, it, it's not that that's unimportant. It's just that maybe we need to look at a whole uh, palette or panoply of, uh, of remedies, you know, that the Lord is, is holding out to us. And, uh, and so we might have to try some other things we haven't done yet. Right. It also might be God trying to help us reorder our priorities to things that we think are so important. Maybe he's saying, no, I've got this other thing that's more important, and I want you to focus on that, and it might take us some time to get there. Yeah, that's a good good insight as well. That's true. Yep. Father, we're down to our last about 40 seconds here. Um, oh. A lot of people that are hurting, that are calling or writing in, could you offer a blessing for all of our listeners as we conclude today? Of course. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So, Heavenly Father, Jesus, our Good Shepherd, Holy Spirit, we just uh, ask you to be with each of us today, especially in any anxieties or fears or worries that we have in our heart today. We confide it all to you, and we ask that you give us the grace necessary to trust you more deeply, to surrender all of our lives into your hands. And so may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of our listeners and remain with them forever. Amen. Amen. Father Rob Kroll, thank you so much for joining us here on the program today. If you're listening and you missed the first part of the hour, go back, catch the podcast. It'll be posted here shortly at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Big thank you to Nick Sentovich and to Thomas Angesser for their help in producing the program today. Tomorrow we're going to be talking about 
co-redemption, how we participate in God and his love in redeeming the world. Join us tomorrow.